So we're ready to start Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, that's where we're at. And we're, we're having a, sort of a pause before the seventh seal is open. If you'll remember, we went through the first six seals up to this point. And there's this little, I think of it as kind of an interlude or just a pause in the vision before before we uh, before we move into the seventh seal which happens in happens in uh, chapter 8 thank you lord we may have some success here that would be nice so i'm not going to worry about all the other stuff at this moment i'm just going to bring up our class stuff Oh, now you want to open two of them. Go away. One is fine. All right. So let's scroll. <coughs> oh, okay. This is seven. All right. So we went through the quick summary and the and the major points of this last week, right? So, so we're ready here for this, and we need to read. We need to read Revelation um, verses. It's chapter seven, verses one through eight. But let me bring up. There's an image that goes. There's a couple of images that go with this here. And this is the first one. So let me read the first part of this in Revelation chapter 7. Oh, um, before we do that, if you will, please pray with me for just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you for this wonderful day you've given us, for all the blessings you give us every day, Father. We thank you for sustaining our lives and this world around us that we can enjoy the, everything that you've created for us and, and called it good, Father. We thank you and praise you for all these things. We ask, Father, that you would lead and guide us in this study, help us as we're here today to do everything that's pleasing in a manner that's pleasing to you, and also that we would learn from your word, Father. We would learn what you want us to know and draw closer to you and uh, learn how to follow our Lord more closely and in a better way. And we thank you again, Father, for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. <clears throat> and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And this image here is supposed to be showing 
these uh, children of Israel being sealed. Okay, that's what this image is supposed to represent. Now there is another image here, which goes along with the next few verses, verses 5 through 8, which are about the tribes being sealed. And it's uh, of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. And then it goes on, of the tribe of Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. And 12,000 of each were sealed, and 12 times 12, 144,000. Simple, simple math, right? All right, so that's the, that's the idea of that, and this is that artist's representation of these people being there. So that brings us to question two. And remember that uh, at the end of chapter six, there had been all that destruction and now, what does John see next, or what does he see first in this chapter, chapter 7? First, it talks about the four angels that hold back the four corners of the earth and the four winds of the earth. Right. Four angels at the four corners of the earth. Now, we know the earth isn't square and flat where we really have four corners, right? So this is, this is kind of a symbolic thing again, right? Um, so holding back the four winds from harming the earth, sea, and any tree. Did no, you? Four times three is twelve. Well, four times three is twelve. That's a good point. You know, I didn't make that connection, so that's interesting. Okay. So um, that's the answer to that question. I have like, okay. The belief, yeah, do you have something, Matt? Well, there's four angels, the four corners of the earth, and the four winds. So that's three times four. Yeah, that's what she was referring uh, referring to. Sorry. <clears throat> so there is a belief here that these winds that are being held back are symbolic of four um, spirits. Now... Like I said, now this is, you know, this is a thought or a belief of this. Now, who or what could these four winds or spirits be that we've already, we've already spoken about? The horsemen, right? The horsemen or the riders, however you want to think of those, the four, the four horsemen. And that's what this seems to relate to. Um, because if you look at Zechariah chapter 6, and I'm just going to look at verse 5 this time. We've looked at some of this previously too. And the angel answered and said to me, These are four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord of all the earth. And the idea is, if you remember, they were being sent out to do, um, do certain things, if we remember back from where we were reading previously. such as the wars and, and the, uh, what was that, famine and all that sort of thing. Does anybody have anything on that before we, yes? Well, it's interesting that this is 
Oh, okay. You're talking about where in the next verse, in the next verses two and three, where where he says, "Wait, hold up, don't 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 let them go, right? Don't don't release them, don't don't let any of this harm occur, right?" No, that's fine. No, that's fine. That's why I was I was like, yeah, that, I mean, but no, that that's right. If we look at our next question, what did an angel ascending from the east cry out? And he's he's saying like what you were saying. He says, you know, hold up, wait, do not harm the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants, right? Sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, and this is similar to Ezekiel chapter eight and nine, where God's people were marked and and protected and saved, and others were slain. You can also look at this. Uh, well. What does this seal represent when we're talking about the seal? Yes, Pat. Well, I looked over in Revelation 14, 1, and it says uh, on their forehead was written the Father's name. The name of God, right. Yes, that is that is what the seal is. The seal actually is, and you'll see it in chapter 14 and in chapter 22. That is mentioned. Yes, ma'am. I think there's some passage. Right, and that's and that was the uh, the idea of what the the seal represents that we are God's people that we are owned and bought and purchased by the Lord, right? That we are His people, and it's a seal of ownership and protection for us. Let's see. Um, it kind of reminded me too of like the Passover, where the blood is marked on the doorposts, so that they would be passed by and they would not suffer judgment that the rest of uh, Egypt did. So it kind of reminds me of that too. Again, a sign of God's protection and ownership. So, and let's see. We had answered what the seal actually is. So, in number four. Question four, who and how many were sealed? 144,000. 144,000 in all, right? Twelve thousand from each tribe. So, and the who is uh, the tribes from the tribes of Israel, right? That's yes. that's specifically what the Bible says. These are now these numbers. We're going to see twelve and the like quite a bit in Revelation, and again, it's considered to be a complete. Or perfect number, it may not be like a uh, mathematically exact number, if you understand what I mean. It's kind of like in, if you look at the census they did in numbers, they counted just the fighting men, for instance. So they really didn't count everyone in the whole nation, but they counted the fighting men of these ages. And then here, you know, because this is Revelation and there is a lot of symbology, these could just be symbolic numbers of, you know, being complete and whole. Or it could literally literally be 144,000 of the tribes of Israel. I, you know, I'm not going to go against God on anything like that. So, But uh, just to mention that, yes? Uh, the 1,044 uh, are the Jews. Then if you go down to verse 9, we know that God died, God, Christ died for all men. 
Right. So it goes on to speak about all nations and the Gentiles. So, and it says it's such a big multitude it can't even be counted. But some denominations will say there's only going to be a hundred or one thousand four hundred forty-four people saved, but they forget about the ninth verse. There was a multitude that couldn't be counted. Right. We're not even down there yet. Right. <laughs> we are. Yeah. When we get down to verse verse nine and below, you'll see more more people. It, this is really counting the tribes of Israel. Now, I've, I have heard some people say that this is a representation of God's church. The problem with that is I don't see anywhere in the Bible where we are called Jews. No. So I have a sincere issue with that idea. Now, I'm not perfect and I'm not going to you know, claim to be, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible where we are called Jews. So... I don't think that's an account or an accounting of us when it refers to the tribes of Israel. Now, there are some questions about some of the tribes of Israel that we're going to get into here. Let's see. Um, let's see. We, we did question four. Does anybody have anything on that before we move forward? Okay. On five, question five. In the list of those sealed, what two tribes of Israel are missing? Ephraim is one. Manasseh is there. No, it's okay. Dan is missing, right? So, okay, so Ephraim, and I have trouble saying that, so if I'm not saying it correct, sorry. But that, uh, them and Dan, and there's an indication. Well, does anybody have an idea of why that might be? No, that's what I thought I you. Okay. Joseph is listed, and Ephraim and Manasseh were his children. Right. Joseph is listed, but that's kind of odd that they did it that way. So we admit that. We, we you know. But the indication that I, that I got from reading and, and researching this is that the tribe of Dan had become very idolatrous back in Judges. If you look at chapter 17 and 18, and Ephraim 2 um had possibly also become very idolatrous and they had never returned, really returned to God, to the worship of God. So that is the idea of that. And Joseph is listed, which that kind of made me think, and I'm just going to, this is just me, um, think that maybe, maybe not all of Ephraim, you know, fell to idolatry. Maybe some of them, you know, were not, you know, did return to God, but I don't know. I don't know. So, does anybody have any uh, any other idea or anything on that? Yeah, Matt? Well, if you take the other view that I know you don't take, that, that perhaps this is referring to God's people in general and not just the, the faithful Jewish people in the past, then the fact that these tribes are listed in a disjointed way, a different way, could be sig signaling to us, to us that this isn't just the literal tribes that we normally think of, but rather there's some difference to it. Uh, okay. The, the people of God in general. So you think maybe, okay, so if you, so what Matt is saying, if you take the other view that maybe this is representative of the people of God in general, that that could be why there's some difference in the tribes that are listed there. So... 
So that is, I mean, that's just, that's part of our symbology and part of our struggle with Revelation is that there are, there's competing ideas on a lot of things. And that's just the way it is. So it's like we talked about some of uh, some of the symbology people relate it back to the fall of Rome. And I don't always do that because some of the symbol, some of the things that are stated, the way they are stated sounds more like uh, worldwide things to me. But uh, again, that's that's just competing ideas. I tend, I tend, if I have a doubt, I tend to go with what I can actually read in the Bible. But anyway, um, so that's uh, part of the idea there. Um, if we look down at uh, question six, let's see. What two names are used for tribes that were not normally listed among the 12 tribes of Israel? In other words, what two tribes are there that you may not have expected to be there listed? Excuse me? Joseph is one. Now, Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, I think that's pretty valid. Yes, Matt? Yeah. Right. I was always so confused. Yes. It's still confusing for me. The 12 tribes, it's the 12 sons, and you just kind of assume that it's the same 12, but it's not because they take out Levi, and then there's no tribe of Joseph, but there's Ephraim and Manasseh, and so it ends up being 12, but it's confusing. It is confusing because in a way there's really 13 tribes when you count Levi, but nonetheless... They're half-tribes. So, Ephraim and Manasseh are half-tribes. Yeah, those are half-tribes. They half-tribes, half so it's like, oh, how many? Yeah, yeah, yeah those are half-tribes. That's right. Ephraim and Manasseh are considered half-tribes, but, but Levi, they mention Levi here in the tribe of Levi, uh, in this list. So that's one reason that the list may seem a little odd too. A lot of times in the past they would not list Levi because they didn't have a true area within the promised land that was dedicated for them. I mean, yes, they were given land around the cities and things like that, but it was not the same as it was for the others. Yes? I think the reason for that was they were uh, the priesthood and the priest didn't Right. The Levites were given to the Lord. They were his, right? So they were his people to take care of things regarding the temple and all the worship and sacrifices. Yes, ma'am. And they had to depend on living off of that ministry because whereas everyone else were farmers and had all this stuff, the Levites depended on taking part of the offering that was part of what God prescribed. So they had to kind of depend on that. Yeah, the Levites had to depend on taking a portion of the offerings, right? If you, you can read about that back in the uh, the books of the law, it's, it's in several places, but yes, Dan? The Levites were priests, like you said, but they were, God was taking care of them. He was proving that when they didn't give them land, but he was taking care of them. Otherwise, you know, uh, they wouldn't go without. Right, God was taking... God was taking care of them through the offerings and all that, right? They they really had to depend on God. So right, they had to trust in God and set that example, right? So yeah, more so than the others, and that's 
Yeah. So that's a good point to think of. Yeah. Um. Okay. I was trying to see if there was something else here. Um, all right, we're ready to move forward, I think. Does anybody have anything on that before we move on to verse 9 through 17? All right. So Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So if we look at uh, question number seven, after the 144,000 are sealed, what does John see next? He sees the the great multitude, right? He sees the great multitude of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. So, and, he, and they are standing before the throne and the Lamb. They are clothed with white robes, and they have palm branches in their hands. And they are proclaiming salvation to God on the throne and to the Lamb, where they are thanking God for that salvation. They're praising Him for that salvation, right? Maybe maybe proclaiming was not the right way to say that, but, but praising God for their salvation, for the salvation that He has given. So, who do we think these people are in this great multitude? Excuse me? The redeemed, right? Yes, ma'am. What well, says down later, isn't it say that they were the ones that were um, persecuted and stuff? Um, um, the, the verse 14. You know, who are these people? The right. These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, right? And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, right? So they are they are Christians that 
were they they overcame like in the previous letters they overcame they endured whatever their persecution may have been that great tribulation sometimes we call them martyrs well there are specific martyrs these aren't specifically called martyrs the others we had in the previous chapter were specifically called martyrs these they don't say are specifically martyrs so I can't, I can't say that. I mean, that some of them may be martyrs, but, but these are people who came through the, uh, the Great Tribulation, as it said there. So, let's see. If you'll notice, there's some things about this I, I had seen, and I was thinking of these as, simply put, I mean, really, these are, these are Christians, these are saints that stayed true to the Lord, right? Um, if you'll notice, they are standing, which seems to be an answer from chapter 6, verse 17, where it says, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Well, who is able to stand but those who believe in the Lord, right? Who trust in the Lord, who are his, and you'll notice they are standing before the Lord. This also appears to be the result of God's promise to Abraham. If you look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And there's other references to that, but that was one quick short one. And this is showing the result of that promise of all the nations being blessed and all these people coming from all the different nations that believe. These people believe, not that the nations necessarily believe. So, and again, what do the white robes represent to us? Purity, that they've just, they've cleansed themselves in the blood of the Lamb, right? They've, you know, they've repented. and being cleansed by the blood of Christ. So then, then we have the palm branches, because I was trying to look at all the little things they mentioned here. Then you have the palm branches. Does anybody have an idea on the palm branches? Easter. Easter? No. I don't know anything about Easter. Go ahead. The, the triumphal entry of Jesus, they, they laid down palm branches. and He was on the, the donkey ride. And they right. Were, Right, it could have to do with, that could be a part of it, because that was the first thing I thought of, was you remember Jesus, his uh, entry into Jerusalem, where they're putting down the branches and their cloaks or whatever for him. You know, they were treating him as their king in that instance. Right, like royalty. Um, it also seems to connect to the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yes, yes. The, we're going to get to the new Jerusalem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, the connection is, when he came into Jerusalem, they had the palm branches. Yes. Here he is in the new Jerusalem, and here the sanctified, which talks about the Hebrews 9, sanctified, because Jesus is our high priest. Um, they worship him. Yeah, they're worshiping, and again, worshiping him maybe as king, you know, if you think of it. That way, from that perspective, worshiping him as king, 
in heaven, of course, and uh, he, he is our king. And I was I was seeing a connection back to the Feast of Tabernacles, which, you know, that was a week-long celebration uh, of the Israelites being delivered from Egypt, right? For their deliverance, their redemption, how he brought them out. And you can read about that in Leviticus. I got one verse for uh, from chapter 23, verse 40. And you shall take for yourselves on the day, on the first day, the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So I was kind of thinking it tied back to that as well. Again, rejoicing because they are rejoicing, thanking him for salvation, right, for that deliverance. So I was thinking that this ties back to that as well. So, does anybody have anything else on that before we move to the next question? All right. Question eight, who else joins in with, the, with praise to God? The angels, right? Yeah, the angels, the elders, the four living creatures, which the four creatures, which... Uh, well, anyway, yes, all them join in with this praise to God. And if we look at question number nine, who does the elder identify as the great multitude? And I know we spoke a little bit about that, but... Those who come out of the great tribulation, right, who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb who are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. So these are those who, who overcome. Yes, Matt, did you have something? The, uh, to go back a little bit, where the, the elders and the preachers and the angels are praising God, mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that uh, if, you count, if you count the things, it says uh, blessing, blessing and glory and, let's see, let's count. blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power Seven. <laughs> Whenever you get a big list like that, it's usually seven in Revelation. Oh, okay. Sevens, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. Yep, seven things, yeah. Kind of Easter egg. Yep. It's, it's, the way, it's, uh, it's just the way those numbers appear in all these different places, all these different ways, yes. Seven is supposed to be a complete and perfect number. Yeah. Like there's seven days of the week. That there's seven. Well, there's a lot of sevens, but. Okay. All right, then. Um, okay, so these, you know, these are those that have overcome, right? They endure. So there's several thoughts on what the Great Tribulation is. Okay. Possibly, it is one great persecution that occurs right before the Lord returns. That is a possibility. That is one thought on that. Another thought is that the Great Tribulation is all the persecution all down through the ages ever since there were Christians to begin with. So, or maybe even before then, if you think about just God's people in general. But... Nonetheless, 
So there's two thoughts on that. The what is the Great Tribulation? Since there's not literally spelled out as near as I can tell. I think sometimes I look back at the AD seventy where the Jerusalem was and the temple was destroyed. Uh huh. Possibly that could be some of the tribulation. Right, because that would be tribulation, wouldn't it? When the temple's destroyed back in AD seventy, that's got to be part of tribulation, right? And I think Jesus was warning them somewhat about that, right? So we can't ignore the past and say that it's not included. But at the same time, I don't think that encompasses everything. Like, I don't think everything was just done in AD 70. So, so again, competing ideas, things we have to think about, and we have to, some of it we have to decide for ourselves. So I will try not to be too rigid and, you know, at least we can talk about it. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, our next question, number 10, what future blessings are they promised to receive? Uh, okay, so the, yeah, they will... They will have living water. He will be led. They will be led to living fountains of water. Right. They won't hunger or thirst, and neither will the sun or any heat strike them. Um, God will wipe away every tear. The Lamb will shepherd them and lead them to the water. Right. And the one on the throne will dwell with them. Right. So these are all promises to us. But do we notice in verse 15, what is our, and, and I'm talking specifically about that verse, what is our role there? Right, to serve him day and night in the temple, right? So what does that make us? Priests, servants, but priests in the temple, right? It says we will be serving day and night in his temple. And then I had one other odd thing, and we'll finish up this chapter. These two groups, when you no matter how you look at them, the, the groups at the in the second half of the chapter and the groups in the first part of the chapter, what what do those two groups have in common? They're all the people of God, right? They're all followers. They all must believe in Jesus. They all must believe in the Lord and follow the Lord, right? So even if, even if like, like my belief is that it's two separate groups in different ways, but even, even if it's not, they're still all believers in Jesus. They still all follow Christ. And I think it's in, Right. Even if you believe, like I'm saying, like I think it's Jews and Gentiles, nonetheless, they all believe in Jesus, right? So they're all Christians. Huh? They are the same at that point. Yeah, they're the same at that point. They're, they're all Christians. And that's what I was getting at, too. So that's what I was thinking. So, all right. So, does anybody have anything else on chapter 7? Because next week we'll come back and we'll start with chapter 8. All right. Thank you for your time and your attention. We'll, we'll pick up with chapter 8 next week.